0: hey everybody several years ago with a group of christians from school i took part in something called a journey of generosity which was put on by the generous giving organization it's a christian nonprofit dedicated to inspiring christian generosity It had a series of group discussions, stories, as well as periods of reflection. Um, But it was really compelling to me because they never once asked for money. They didn't even suggest specific organizations to be generous towards. They only asked that we recognize the blessings we have been given and that we be good stewards of them. From this experience, it became very clear to me and helped me connect that our faith Uh, As well as our time and our money um, is very much intertwined so among other ideas that they talked about they offered perspectives on uh, giving like investing in God's eternity um, as well as talking about the lasting joy that comes from giving and also the very real idea that you can't take it with you in the end Um, but two things in particular really stuck out to me and the first was a reflection question uh, namely am i living the life worthy of the gifts that i've been entrusted with so when i stand before god will he say well done my good and faithful servant or would he be disappointed and i can say i didn't really like the conclusions i was coming to uh, the second was a more pragmatic application but it ties into the first And that was the idea that giving is the antidote to selfishness and materialism. And so that seemed like a really good place to start for me. Today, I see giving as a real and tangible way that we can live out our mission as a church to glorify God. We are helping individuals, we are restoring our city, And we're joining with fellow Christians to help set the world to rights and to be made new in Christ. For me, giving has personally been a really powerful tool of spiritual growth. And I believe when we practice it and cultivate a generous mindset, we're being made new ourselves.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Res City. Uh, we are in a series on giving and generosity and, and really the idea of grace uh, uh, over the, the next few weeks here. Um, and uh, we've been showing some videos. Last week we had the Seidel's, uh shared. Uh, today was, was Thomas. I don't think he gave his name in there, so that's Thomas, in case you don't know who who he is. Um, And uh, we've been kind of exploring, um, you know, why people at Res City, you know, why they value giving, what it is kind of uh, behind it for them that gives them sort of the impetus or their desire to give, um, sharing a little bit, you know, a little little bit of testimonies, sharing a little bit about what patterns or rhythms or habits that they have uh, behind their giving. And so... We've been kind of doing that as a way to hear from you know, more than just me or Julie, uh, and my name is Joel, by the way, in case you're, you're joining us for the first time, um, to kind of just talk a little bit about like, why we think generosity, giving, are important like, rhythms and, and patterns for us as Christians. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to continue on in that series here uh, as we specifically talk about uh, giving um, of our money. Lord, uh, I pray that you would bless us this morning as we spend some time uh, in your word, um, as we spend some time maybe reflecting on our own habits our own uh, mindsets, our own uh, feelings around uh, generosity, around giving uh, of, of our money, Lord, specifically today. Um, help your Spirit to speak to us, to give us wisdom uh, and guidance as we, as we think through this question, which is uh, an important one. Maybe it's one we don't think about a ton, or maybe it's a, it's a difficult one to think about for some uh, reason or another, God. So just be with us, Lord. Um, have your presence be thick with us in this room this morning as we do that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I said, we're doing this series on giving or generosity. We're calling it Fueled by Grace. And the reason is, and we kind of explored this last week, is we talked about this idea of how we've been given grace by God. And and grace, like is a word that you you know maybe hear a lot, it's a very Christian word. Um, but in the first century, the time that the, the, the New Testament writers are, are putting, you know, writing down what we, we now have as our Bible, um, the word grace was a pretty normal word uh, to sort of describe generosity, charity, giving, um, you know, among different people. And so what they're kind of playing off of is this idea of God is, you know, giving us his gift or his generosity in the way that, you know, people experienced back then. And we talked about how so we've, been recei- we've received this gift from God. It's, it's completely undeserved for us. Um, it's meant to form a relationship between us and the giver, God, and it's supposed to transform us. Now today, we're, like I said, we're going to talk a little bit more specifically around you know, generosity and giving with our actual money. Right? The stuff in our wallets and our bank accounts. Um, and and kind of like, you know, how that plays off of this idea of us responding to uh, the generosity that God has given us. But let me just, But before I get into it, let me just start by saying, and kind of reiterating what I said last week, we're not doing this sermon series because we're like, we need money, and we're like, crap, we better talk about money to make sure we meet budget. Like, that's not at all our... our motivation, you know, behind this. You'll notice, like, it's the beginning of a new year, right? So, like, you know, we're not coming at the end of the year where we, you know, we we need the money or something like that. And actually, I'll go even further and say, like, this is something that I would boast about to other people about you guys. Like, when you read Paul sometimes in the New Testament, he'll boast about different churches uh, in in some of his letters. Like, I would do the same for us at Res City. Like, we are very, we've been a very generous congregation, and I actually remember when we were doing our, uh, some of our training before we, we did church planning, one of the things that we heard that was really stood out to me, it's kind of always stuck with me, is um, one of the, the, the main measure for like, whether a church plant is going to make it or not is whether or not it, within three years they're self-sustaining, like in terms of like their giving and sort of making sure that you know, they're not relying on outside support in order to like, keep the lights on, right? Right. Uh, And so if you can't get there within three years, like, you had a pretty poor chance of making it as a church plant. We were were fine after a year. Like, we, we met that metric, you know, we've met that metric really from day one, and I think goes to speak to sort of our generosity as a church, and and not only have we just kind of kept the lights on, we've actually had a surplus all three years as a church, and so that's something to celebrate, and I want you to sort of, you know, know that so you can celebrate, you know, your own generosity and and understand, like, why that's important, you know, why we should celebrate what God is doing in us, um, you know, in the midst of that, but, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, we should never ever talk about it either, I think, right? Like, um, you know th- this morning like every every sunday morning ian was up here tuning his guitar and you know it's it's because like you know guitars get out of tune instruments like you know you have to kind of put in the regular work to make them sort of do what they're supposed to do right even if the guitar is you know supposed to do this thing it might kind of play it you know kind of right if he doesn't tune it it still needs to be tuned every week right and and and, and that's you know, I've used this analogy before, but, like, we need to tune ourselves, I think, regularly back to sort of the important aspects of the gospel uh, so that we can live it out, right? Guitars get out of tune because of things like, um, like humidity, temperature, uh, you know, just normal wear and tear, just sort of natural causes, like, it, you know, a guitar going through life, Right? And we can get out of tune just by going through life as well. As different you know, things in our own environment sort of you know, uh, impact us, like we can get out of tune in different ways as well. And so it's important to just talk about things, right? even if we already value them, to just kind of remind ourselves, to point ourselves back to the gospel so that we can be retuned and kind of play the sweet music of the gospel on a regular basis, just like a, an instrument would. Okay, and so um, that's why we're we're doing this. We're still talking about it, despite the fact that like, man, you guys have had you guys have just been playing an awesome guitar solo for three years as a church, really. You know, if you kind of kind of take that meaning. So, uh, and the reality I think we need to tune ourselves to is this. And this is actually a line that Thomas uh, said in, in his video. I'm going to put it on the screen for you here. This is one that really stuck out to me. He said, I see giving as a real and tangible way that we can live out our mission as a church to glorify God. We're joining other Christians to set the world to rights and to be made new in Christ. All right, He says it's a real and tangible way that we can live this mission out. Right? It's not just talk. It's not just something we think in our head, but it's sort of us putting to work the things that we say we believe, the things we think we have of value. Right And we hear like you know phrases like this, you hear them all all over the place, like you know don't tell me where your priorities are, right show me where you spend your money, show me your bank account, and I'll tell you what you prioritize right you maybe have heard some version of something like that before, right and it's it is true like you know there's there's got to be a Connect, there can't be a disconnect between like what we think is of value to us and what we're actually doing with you know our actual lives that we live, the things that we have, our resources, you know, and whether they reflect what we think we value or not. Right? And money is a good way to sort of ask ourselves, is there a connection between these things? I think a lot of times, Christians, we can be really good at talk, right? We can, you know, use a lot of good Christian-y language like love and grace and generosity, but we're not always the best uh, at sort of connecting our actions to those, you know, words we like to use about ourselves. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.20 that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, okay? Talk is cheap. It's a matter of power, Okay, and so, like, if we're gonna really think that the kingdom of God is coming, like, we should see that around us. It should be transforming us and changing us. And what we do with our money, like, that's something we use on a daily basis, right? So, if our money, like, what we do with that is not connected to what we, you know, believe about the kingdom of God coming to earth in power, we should, you know, ask ourselves, why is this disconnect here? Like, what does it show about what I actually value? And how can I sort of make it be a value? Okay. Now, money is a, at its best when it's a tool to get godly things done. All right? I think that's how we should view it. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about, like, you know, is it good to have? You know, should we not have a lot of money? Is it, is it okay to be wealthy? I want to get into some of that stuff today, but I want to set it up by by, by talking a little bit about going to a kind of a, a tangible, concrete thing in Scripture that sort of helps us, you know, understand or get a you know image at what you know people in the early church are doing with their money and how they're viewing it and how they're talking to each other about it. Because the Bible it, it is a record, it is a record of the of the work of God. Right? It is not just a list of you know, rules or commands or theology. It's a story where we see people like us who, who really are in the same boat as us today living in a certain way. And we can sort of look at what they do and be, you know, get wisdom from that, be inspired by that, be challenged by that, get wisdom from that so we can live in a similar type of way. And I think perhaps one of the most fascinating parts in in all of the New Testament that I would guess a lot of you have never heard of is what we're going to be talking about today. It's something that the Apostle Paul was really passionate about. You, know, you read his letters, and, and my guess is like you, uh, you know, have rarely had this emphasized as you have read through or heard other people talk about his letters as much as he, of value as he uh, thought it was, okay? And actually, you know, what I'm about to, about to tell you about here is something I can never remember hearing a sermon about in my life, okay? Uh, and I've been going to church since I was a little kid. So it just kind of shows that, but this is a really, really important thing to Paul, and it's just called the collection. This is what he, uh, desc- you know, the word he uses to describe this, this, this project he's working on. He, he described it this way in a couple places, 1 Corinthians 16.1 is where he's, you know, kind of specifically is talking about the collection and using this terminology for it. But he actually references it in uh, 2 Corinthians as well, in the book of Romans, maybe the book of Galatians, and it's actually kind of implied in the book of Acts as well. So it pops up a bunch of different places. And what it is, is it's this large, widespread fundraising project that the early church is engaged in. Um, And it helps us to give a a, a kind of a window into the role that money played for the early church. So I'm oversimplifying this a little bit here, but the early church was kind of uh, separated geographically into two churches. Okay, like I said, I'm oversimplifying this a little bit, but you have the church in Jerusalem, which is pretty much made up entirely of Jewish people, and then you have the churches outside of Jerusalem or the region of Judea, kind of all throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, Paul is not the only one who planted all these churches, um, but he did a lot of them. And they're mostly, they are made up of some Jewish people that are living in these places, but they're also made up of a lot of non-Jewish people called Gentiles. And so, um, like, the Gentile churches, especially the ones that Paul was overseeing, he is going around and he's actually sending his associate Titus, someone you, you may have read about, uh, a different, you've heard that name as you've read through Paul, he talks about this guy Titus, he's actually his kind of key associate in helping him raise fundraise this, this uh, uh, gift of money, and they're raising this money so that they can give a gift from these Gentile churches to the Jerusalem church. Now, when you do something like this, sometimes you get a target put on your back, right? When you start to go in and, and ask people about their money, like, you start to make people a little bit uncomfortable. And so we know that Paul received some criticism for this, right? To the point where, it, you know, maybe could have undone some of the work that he had, he had started of even planting some of these churches, right? Because he's going around to these churches. He's already, you know, he already started them. He already said, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. He's kind of laid out the basics, And now he's coming back to them and he's saying, oh, hey, beyond what I told you before, I'm actually going to, can you give me some money, right? And I'll tell you what it's for and stuff, but like, I need you to give, you know, beyond what you're already giving. And he risks sort of alienating them by asking them to give money to people that they never met, they likely would never meet, Um, for some grand project that Paul was really passionate about. And so, you know, he would get questions probably like, can we trust this guy? This is a lot of money that he's asking us to raise. You know, we could really use this money here instead. Like, I can think of a lot of ways to use this money if we raised it here and put it to work within our own community or city. Like, that would, you know, be a lot of value for us. Like, why should I care what's going on in Jerusalem? And, like, this is a question that was sort of common to ask in the ancient world, because, you know, Paul's not the only person going around city to city asking for money, is how do we know he's not skimming a bunch of this off the top, or that he's even going to deliver this money to Jerusalem? There's no internet, we can't text the people in Jerusalem and make sure they get the money, right? We've got to sort of just trust him. Okay, and so actually, you know, as, as part of showing that he, you know, they could trust him with this money, he actually put a group together of people, Acts tells us, like they all delivered the money to Jerusalem together, kind of representing a bunch of these different Gentile churches. And so that was probably to ensure that the collection made it there, that Paul didn't, you know, run off with the money or skim some of it off the top, and also to protect it. okay. There was no Venmo in the ancient world. You couldn't just, you know, do a bank wire transfer to some people who lived in a different country. You actually had to take the money and you had to, you know, travel with it from one place to another. Now, imagine you're you've got a large sum of money, it's gold or something like that, right? And you're carrying it in a bag and you know in the ancient world like there are bandits like, that are waiting to, you know, on roads to, like, kind of come out and get you. So, like, you know, you, you had to be extra cautious when you're carrying a lot of money, and so they have this this whole party of people that go with Paul to take it to Jerusalem. It sounds, like the, the point of me bringing all this up is, this is a lot of work, okay? It was not an easy thing for Paul personally to do, and it actually, you know, could have endangered his life in even traveling to bring this money to Jerusalem, okay? Um, so, all that to say, Paul saw all of this discomfort to him as worth it. And the question is, well, well, why is it? Why is he willing to go out on a limb to collect this money and deliver it to Jerusalem? And there's actually a bunch of reasons that Paul gives in his letters. And I'm going to, you know, go through a few of them here, compiled by a, a scholar named Michael Gorman. Um, And and, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about some of these reasons today, as we sort of ask our, you know, talk about our own habits of giving and how we see money as well. So first off, to fulfill a promise that he made to Jerusalem uh, leadership, to express support for the Jerusalem mother church and its authorities, this is Galatians two ten. Uh, to alleviate the suffering of an impoverished community of believers. That's Romans 15, 26. And, and what, what's clear is that the, the Jerusalem church, the whole reason that they're you know, needing this money is because they are a lot poorer than most of these Gentile churches. Okay? So they're meeting their actual physical needs of the church in Jerusalem by sending them this money. All right? Next, to allow Gentile believers to express tangibly their spiritual debt to Jewish believers, like knowing that the church um, came out of Jerusalem, right? It spread from Jerusalem to the rest of the world. Um, Paul says this in Second Corinthians eight thirteen uh, to fifteen to achieve some measure of economic equality but among the various churches, he's actually very specific in saying, like, I want there to be some equality. There is not equality between the churches right now, and so I want to see that change. And so I'm actually asking you to give some of your money, to redistribute some of your money to the Jerusalem church so that we can correct this imbalance, all right? I might ruffle some feathers of some people uh, today, right? But, but that's what Paul says in Second Corinthians 8. And then to embody the gospel of God's gift and Christ's sacrifice in a concrete way, kind of what Thomas was talking about earlier, to make sure the gospel isn't just talk, but there's actually power behind people's actions who believe the gospel. And then finally, these last two, to unify Gentile and Jewish believers and to express that mission concretely and to create a sense of the universality and interconnectedness of all the communities in Christ, all right? So this is really around the sort of bringing these two churches together. Because not only is there sort of a you know imbalance between you know uh, the, the the amount of dough that these two churches have, but there's actually some wariness of the two of them together. Because in the in the Jewish churches, like they are still Jewish, they still have a high value on following the law and doing the circumcision uh, that is, is, is necessary for, for young males um, in Jewish society. And in the Gentile churches, they are a lot you know a little more open-handed on these things. And there was definitely some tension between especially Paul and the Jerusalem church over this issue. And Paul is building this collection as a kind of a peace offering in a sense to say, hey, we are on the same team here. We are united. And let me show you how much we actually think that's true by actually getting money and going through the work of bringing it here to sort of tangibly express our desire for unity among these different churches. Now, if we could kind of take all of these ideas like, and summarize them into one sentiment and kind of use that as our way to sort of talk about it for ourselves today, I would say this. To Paul, a gift of money could create richness in many ways for both the recipients and the givers of this gift of money. All right, Paul viewed uh, richness coming from the giving of this money and the receiving of it by the Jerusalem church in a very broad sense definition of the idea of richness, okay? Not richness necessarily in terms of having a lot of money, but richness that is sort of more expansive than that. And I want to talk about that specific kind of richness that Paul is talking about here and how that's relevant to us today as we seek to be rich as well in the way that Paul is discussing when he talks a lot about the collection in different places, okay? And so the first way I want to nuance this is to say this. We become rich by giving, Okay, we become rich by giving, and let me go a little bit further than what I have on the screen here. We become rich in what Jesus is rich in when we're willing to give money away to other people. All right, let me, let me talk a little bit about this. So um, the Corinthians initially had said they were going to give uh, to this collection, and apparently at some point there had, they had kind of gotten cold feet. And they were kind of pulling back on this promise to Paul to raise some money to give to them. And so in 2 Corinthians, among other things, Paul is sort of writing to them to sort of respond to their cold feet. And so here's some of the, you know, it's actually two chapters long, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And, uh, you know, we won't get into all that today, but let me hone in on a couple things that he says to them to try to encourage them to follow through on their commitment. So this is uh, chapter eight verse seven. He says, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So he's telling them, Listen, you are rich in speech, in faith, in knowledge, in uh you know, in love, and these things that you guys value. And he's kind of buttering them up as you read through the letter. Like he's kind of going out of his way to like, you know, tell the Corinthians, you guys are really great, but we know what would make you really, really great (laughs) is if you would be rich in this way as well. You would be rich in giving away of your money as well, okay? You want to be well-rounded in your faith, right? You don't want to just be good at some things and not good at others. You want to be really well-rounded. Here's a really important way. Be willing to give of your money as well. Put your money where your mouth is, is another way he's saying it. Because this is a form of grace or maturity that you're kind of actually missing out on if you don't have a high value on this. And he continues on and he says, I am not commanding you, okay? He's saying it wouldn't be richness if, I, if you were compelled to do it. It's only rich if you are sort of giving of it freely, of your own volition. But I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And here he's talking about some other churches, specifically the church in Macedonia that he's mentioned earlier in the, in the passage, and he's talked about how you know, far they were willing to go, even giving out of some of their own poverty to, to, to give to this collection. "'For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, "'that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, "'so that, th- uh, so that you through his poverty might become rich.'" So he's talking about them becoming rich. And he, to, to Paul, the sincerity of love that he talks about is not the sort of, you know, it's not a shallow idea of love. It's not sentiment. It's not good feelings of goodwill towards them. It, it, it's something tangible, right? It's something you can sort of see because of the, the effects of that love spill out of those people and actually, you know, make an impact on other people's lives, Right? This, and this love expressed, he's saying, will actually make you rich as well. If you are giving of your money, you will receive back richness, okay? We might become rich, he says at the end of that verse. But again, I think it's important that we understand what he's talking about here, is he's talking about a richness that is, you know, what Jesus is rich in, okay? God wants us to be rich, okay? Jesus wants us to be rich, but what he's really concerned that we're rich in is the stuff that he is rich in. Okay? Things like forgiveness, love, hope, faith, generosity, unity, freedom. right These virtues, these things that we see Jesus himself living out in the Gospels. He wants us to be rich in those qualities as well and to use that as a way to bless other people. Because okay? what Jesus is rich in, this is what we believe right? as Christians. We talk about this a lot at Res City. What Jesus is rich in changes the world as it's given away, right? It makes the world new. It makes it something that it is not. It brings about salvation. It changes realities for people. It transforms us from the inside out, okay? What Jesus is rich in causes that to happen. And we should want more of that. We should want to not just get a little bit of that, but to be continue, uh, to be made richer and richer and richer in that as we experience that grace poured out on us. And one of the ways that that happens is through our own giving. Now, this idea of richness, it's a little bit counterintuitive, right? When we think of richness, we think of accumulating or getting stuff, right? That's what it means to be rich. But some richness, you know, isn't actually in uh, having more. It comes in giving away. So think about what it means to be, like, rich in physical health or, 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 and, and self-control, right? We don't get healthier by eating more and more food, right? And this, I'm, you know, this is a really good time to remember that because we are on the tail end of holiday season where we probably have been stuffing ourselves filled with full of chocolate and Chex Mix. At least that's, I know, what I've been eating a lot of recently. And I can tell as I weigh myself... I am not getting richer in physical health. I'm getting richer in some other things from all that stuff, right? Okay, not the stuff I want to be rich in necessarily. So you, you, know, you attain richness in health by giving up certain foods and then through putting your body through the experience of discomfort, right? In exercise, right? Working out, you know, it, you're giving over your body's energy, right? But you're becoming rich in health through exercise, um, by saying no to some chocolate. You're saying no to getting some more, but you're developing richness in your own body in health and self-control. Okay, That's the kind of richness that you know, we're talking about here. Again, Jesus wants us to be rich in what he's rich in, and that doesn't mean giving us more money. This is not the prosperity gospel. I think you could read this passage as saying, through his poverty you might become rich, and definitely Christians have read it that way, where, you know, maybe you do give some money away, right, to some church organization, and they tell you, you're going to get all these blessings back from God. You're going to have all these things you want. You're going to get a, a nice big house. You're going to get the job you want. Your love life is going to be blessed. Or God is going to sow this money back to you tenfold. right? That's not the richness that Paul is talking about here. Okay, he doesn't, God doesn't want to give us stuff. He wants to make us rich in what Jesus is rich in. Now, this seems like, I've been trying to decide, like, where in the series to just, you know, talk about this real quick, just mention it. Um, I did want to, you know, address this, like, um, so I think f- kind of, you know, here's the best place to do it. So I'm just, I'm just going to do it, right? I realize when we do a series about giving, talking to you about what you do with your money, understanding that, like, we're asking you to give some of that to Res City, it's very self-serving. My salary is paid by that, okay? I get it. It seems like it could be a little bit disingenuous. You might be a little bit wary of me asking you to give some of your money so that I can, you know, make a living off of it. My livelihood is one of the things that benefits when you guys give, me and Julie. I get that. So let we'll us just talk about that real quick, okay? I am encouraging you to give to Res City, And yes, I do have a stake in Res City as an organization. We do need money to exist, Right? But that's not really why I'm asking you to give. It is a byproduct of it. It needs to happen, but let me be really clear to you. Much more important to me, to Julie, to our leadership team and our governance team, the people who are kind of charged with keeping an eye on stewarding, the the, the giving, and the generosity that you have, our stake is in you guys. Okay? It's not in the organization of the church. Right? It's not in our 501c3. It's not in that. It is in you guys. Okay? And you know, we sincerely believe that you, you know, like, we want you to be rich in Christ-likeness and that you will be made rich like, as you are acting more generously. Like, we give ourselves, like, we give Teres City a, a portion of what we make from you guys as well right and julie and i are easily satisfied we do like you're not going to ever see me show up on preachers and sneakers on instagram wearing thousand dollar shoes i can you know because of the money you're sending to us i can promise you that if you don't know what preachers and sneakers is go look, look it up on instagram right i'm not going to show up on that i promise you okay we're very easily satisfied just give me a couple books and i'll probably be content Right, for, for the year. Okay. Like we really want to see you guys be rich in Christ likeness. And we believe this, even though it can seem self-serving, that, that one of the ways that you can show that that you can be made rich in Christ likeness is being willing to give and give generously. Alright? And Thomas talked a little bit about this in his video. For me, giving has been a real powerful tool for spiritual growth. When we practice it and cultivate a generous mindset, we're being made new ourselves, okay? That's what we want. We want to see you guys grow and be made new. And, you know, we're just preaching the Bible to you, okay? That's, this is one way in which you guys can experience that. Okay, so there's the, the individual aspect of what, what giving, what kind of rich, you know, uh, richness is created in us when we give. But there's also a different kind of richness. And that's the second thing here that we see in how Paul talks about uh, the, the, the collection and his goals for it. Uh, our community becomes rich by our generosity. Right? And if you remember those last couple of uh, things I mentioned for the reasons for the collection to kind of you know, bridge the gap... Right Between the community of these churches that are in different geolog- or geographical locations, but are still one church, still one people of God, there is a sort of richness among the community, right, and the health of the community when there's sort of mutual giving going back and forth. Now, this certainly extends beyond uh, monetary giving, and we'll talk about that next week, actually, as we talk about giving of time and our, our talents and, and our, our attention and those types of things, right? There's a lot of things that we can be generous with. It's not just our money, and those all contribute to the richness in the body of Christ, okay? But, but certainly, you know, money is an aspect to that too, okay? Where the community, what we're, what we're seeking out, what we want to see is that you know, not just you individually are rich in what Jesus is rich in, but us as a community, as a church of God, are rich in the things that Jesus is rich in. That is like an, you know, as a as a body that has an identity, is marked by the things that Jesus is rich in. Again, things like uh, faith, hope, and love, unity, freedom. Right? What what what? Think of it like a building. Right? We're a building. And we want our building to be made up of material, right, that is Christ-like, right? Where, where the, the, the studs in the walls are, are faith and hope and uh, the flooring is love, right? I'm just randomly coming up with, there's, this is not a very deep analogy, okay? I'm just kind of randomly coming up with parts that make up a building. But imagine that we're a building, the church of God is a building, where the building materials that keep it afloat, that keep it from collapsing in on itself, that make it what it is, are faith, hope, love, uh, freedom, unity, right? These things that Jesus himself is rich in, that's what he wants his body, the church, to be rich in as well. And we show that by interacting with each other in a way that showcases that we individually value those things too. So we as a community are marked by those things, okay? And I don't, I don't know like, if there's ever actually been a study done on this. I, I looked it up before um, the, the sermon, and, and I couldn't find it. But I've heard this notion before. I saw the notion online. I didn't actually find a study behind it. But this is a notion you find in a lot of other places, the 80-20 rule. Have you heard this? Uh, right? Where like, uh, so, so basically, in most churches, the idea is that like 20% of the people in the church account for 80% of the giving. Okay, so 20% of the people are carrying 80% of the load. If you can think about it like that, right? So it'd be like we have like you know 10 people carrying a car, and two people are carrying 80% of the car, and the other you know uh, eight people are you know all squished together holding the other 20% of the car, okay? That's kind of the, that's kind of the notion. Now, I didn't check this at Res City, right? So I'm not accusing anybody of anything. Um, but I would, I would imagine that that probably is how it plays out. There are some people that, you know, giving more than others and there's sort of this, you know, at times at least an imbalance. And I get it. Some people have more money to give and that's just how it works, okay? But I just want you to think about it like this, okay? Just because the business is surviving that way doesn't mean the body's healthy, in that, in that it's playing out that way, right? That, you know, just because we're getting by, if that's the reality, that doesn't mean that's necessarily what we're going for. And a lot of churches will plug along for a long time where a few people are you know, basically paying everyone's salaries, right, or paying to keep the lights on in the church, but is that really the healthiest version of what we want a church to be? I don't think so. I think we would want, you know, we would say the healthiest version, the most united version of the church is one where everybody is sort of committed to carrying that car and doing the same amount of work together, right? Okay, and so it matters, again, as a, us as a community, if we're all willing to be generous, we will really have true unity, right? We'll, we'll see our unity as a church actually play out in our giving habits. This is another sort of tangible, measurable way you can show the sincerity of your love that Paul talks about in a community that itself is very sincere in its love. Now, let me end with a couple of practical questions around this, okay? And you might even be, you might be, you know, thinking to yourself, like, you know, s- some specific questions around this, and I want to try to address them as much as I can, okay? Although I might frustrate you, and that I'm not going to be as specific as you might hope, okay? And that's, on this first one here, you know, prepare to maybe be frustrated. How much should I give? Give me a number, Joel. Tell me what percentage I should be giving to Res City or other places, And I'm going to start by saying, I am not going to give you a number. I'm not going to tell you this is what it means. If you really want to be someone who's rich in the things that Jesus is rich in, if you want to be a good Christian, you have to give this specific percentage or this specific dollar amount, okay? I'm not going to tell you that because life is a lot more complex than that, okay? It just is. It just is. And I realize people are in different seasons of life at different times people have different capacities for generosity depending on where they're at. I get all that, okay? I'm not going to tell you a number. Uh, and and part of this is because of what we value at Red City. You know, we say this a lot. This is really something we value quite a bit. Is we don't want to just tell you what to do. Okay? I don't want to just tell you do these 10 things and you'll be a good Christian. I would rather teach you how to think in a way that is Christ-like so you can, with the wisdom of the Spirit and in conversation with the rest of the community, make wise decisions that show maturity in Christ-likeness. And so I want you to actually pray about this, think about this, talk with others about this, and sort of be equipped by some of the things we're talking about today to make this decision on your own, okay? The traditional number, the number you hear a lot of times is 10%, okay? And I think, you know, that's there's nothing wrong with that number. It's actually a really good baseline. Um, how we get there, you know, is like it, it's, it's kind of more tradition than anything. It's really, Paul never says give 10%. There's really nowhere in the New Testament that says do 10%. It does come out of something in, in uh, the Old Testament, but actually that, might, that number might not even be right anyway. So it's a good baseline. It's maybe a good place to start thinking about it, but I'm not going to tell you, oh, just give 10% and you're golden, okay? Um, I think, you know, when we ask the question, like "How much should I give?" a lot of times we're asking it from the standpoint of, like, you know, what's the least I can give and still feel like I'm doing a good job, right? That's our starting point. I would encourage you to flip the question around and start from here and see where you get from, get get to. Okay, um, why only be somewhat rich in what Jesus is rich in? Okay why would I not look for more ways to continue to be rich in what Jesus is rich and through my generosity? And if that calls you to give higher than 10%, as you process through that question, you pray through it, like, that's not a bad thing. That's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And so here's something more tangible for you to consider, okay? I'll, I'll say this. In your monthly budget, you should notice something's missing, right? You should actually be like, I'm giving up something in order to be generous. I think a lot of times we can approach it and we can be like, okay, here's all the things that are most important to me and whatever's left over, I'm going to give that away, okay? Because I don't need it, right? But I think true generosity is sacrifice where you're actually saying, i actually might not get something that I have on my list this month because I think giving that away generously is worth more than getting that thing, okay? I think that's a better place to think about it because that's actually sacrifice. It's not sacrifice to say, I don't need this thing, okay? I'm going to give it away to somebody else. That's not sacrificing. Sacrifice is actually saying, I'm going to live without, you know, like a trip this year. I'm going to cut a couple of streaming services out. I'm going to say no to some restaurants this year okay, identify something, say, I'm going to give this thing up, I'm going to put it towards giving generously to the kingdom of God instead, and you can actually start to see in yourself, I do feel like I am giving, you know, some commitment to the grace of God that has been given to me, okay? Jesus sacrificed his life so I might have life. I can sacrifice some stuff as a response to that as well, and so it should maybe look a little bit more like, we're going to cut this thing this month or this year so we can give generously. Now, consider this, and we're actually going to talk about this a lot more in an upcoming series here after this one, but a lot of things that you might be cutting out of your life, you might actually find you have more benefits from cutting them out, right? These are, you know, the, a lot of what we spend our money on, actually, you know, they're, they do limit us from growing in richness and Christ-likeness, okay? There are things that take our attention, that seduce our heart away from Christ, that create distraction in us, and they don't really give us any benefit except maybe in the moment, right? Like it distracts us. It kind of gives us a temporary boost or something like that. But really, what is that? That's like a candy bar, right? It feels good going down, and then the rest of the day, you're like, why did I eat that thing, Okay. A lot of the stuff that we put our money towards when we really look at it is stuff that is not actually benefiting us a whole lot because it might actually be creating a bit of a barrier between us and Jesus' presence. Now, like I said, that's a bit of a, a preview. There's some stuff we're going to be talking about in, a, in a, an upcoming series here for kind of the rest of uh, the, the first part of 2022, starting a couple of weeks. But just, yeah, just consider, like, why not cut some of that stuff out in order to, you know, no longer have the barrier of the streaming service that you could, you know, use to distract you, that you can now put towards praying, towards spending time with God, towards spending time serving, towards doing these things that bring you closer to Jesus and actually give you greater benefit than whatever you were going to spend that money on. Okay, last practical question here. Does being rich in Christ mean that I shouldn't be wealthy? All right, this is another question we might ask ourselves. Like, let's say you're like, I'm really committed. I want to be generous. Does that mean it's bad for me to have a lot of money in my bank account? Like, even if I have a lot of income, I have a good job or something like that, is it, you know, should I be living at the lowest possible version of my means, right? Okay, and, and, and I'll say this. To start, the gospel is neutral on this, all right? There is not a, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that says you're a good person if you have a lot of money, right? There's also nothing in the Bible that says, like, you're a good person if you don't have a lot of money, Okay? That's an oversimplification of things. And you know, we talk a lot about the prosperity gospel, the sort of false gospel that says, you know, God wants to give you lots of stuff and lots of money. That's what you know, the main thing we get from Jesus is. There's a version of that that's sort of the equal and opposite version of it that says, like, we are really good people if we don't have anything if we live in poverty, if we just give all of our stuff away, God will be happy with us. And that's not necessarily true either. I think that's a spectrum we want to get ourselves off of. Okay? That's not a helpful way to think about it. And last week, we talked about how God's grace comes to us sort of despite any good or bad thing about us. It comes apart from them. Any value we might have of ourselves, the grace of God comes to us apart from it. That includes whether you're wealthy or you're poor. God's grace comes to both alike. Okay? And we know that in the early church, like, there, were, there were some, at least somewhat rich people, we don't know how rich they were, but like, had some wealth, um, and you know, let people uh, meet in their homes, like Lydia in in the uh, city of Philippi. We know she was a you know trafficked um, in some pretty like you know popular purple dye. It's called. It's what rich people uh, would get to dye their clothes purple, because that was like that showed you were wealthy in the ancient world. She sold the dye that made your clothes purple. You know, you like to think that she probably made a pretty good living off of that. She had a house that people were able to meet in. That was a pretty uncommon thing for the early church, okay? And like, you know, the church needed some money in order to do anything in the ancient world, right? And largely some of these wealthier people helped make some of that stuff happen. And, and I, I've always been struck by something Michelle Lee Barnwell said in a book I was reading um, where that the early church sort of just assumed that some people had some things that other people didn't. They weren't super concerned with how it got to be that way, but they were really concerned with what they did with that, okay? And that's, I think, where we should enter into this conversation is, okay, if you have wealth or not, ask yourself more so, like, what am I doing with the wealth that I have? And how is the wealth impacting me? Okay, what is the wealth doing to me, okay? Um, like, Paul says in First, uh, first Timothy 6.10 that the love of money is a root of a lot of evils, Okay, and Jesus himself, uh, you know, in the parable or in the story of the rich man who comes uh, to, to to speak with him and ask like what you know it would look like for him uh, to have salvation, and Jesus says, "Go give a bunch of your money away, dude," and he's really sad and he walks away, and Jesus um, basically says like it's really hard <laughs> if you have a lot of wealth to really be committed to the kingdom of God. It's easier for a a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Okay, we should take that stuff seriously. Okay, we should think about you know, the impact that wealth does have on us. Okay? There's actually like, you know, psychology studies that I've looked up that show people with more wealth have less empathy a lot of times than people who don't have a lot of wealth. Okay? Wealth does have an impact on us, and it can cause us to have, struggle to be rich in the things that Jesus is rich in. And if you're blessed with a lot of wealth, just consider what, you know, what that is doing to you. And ask yourself, how can I, you know, be using this in a way that is actually going to help me be rich in what Jesus is rich in, not just rich in my bank account? Okay, I think that's the thing I would say to to you: is take seriously the effects that wealth can apparently have on us, right? Think about that and truly value um, that you know being rich in Jesus is what we should ultimately be seeking out. So, if you're wealthy, two things to wrap this up: simple, but difficult, apparently. Cultivate deep habits of thanks to God for it, okay, which means you believe that God is truly the one that has, you know, allowed you to have this wealth, and then figure out how you can take that blessing and put it to work for the kingdom of God, okay? Ask yourself, what does it mean for me to take this blessing of wealth and turn it into riches that are the type of things that Jesus is rich in, okay? Now, let me, let me close by uh, going back to 2 Corinthians 8, something that Paul says here. Okay? I, I love this translation and how it portrays it. Please give these other churches that he's talking about a fine demonstration of your love and of our boasting about you. Show all the churches that you mean business. Okay? That's what he's sort of is saying. He's like how, What we do with our money shows ourselves and everyone else around us whether or not we mean business. Okay? And I just want to leave you with that. Paul's sort of spurring them on good-naturedly, okay? but he, what he's saying to them is take some ownership. Be sincere in your love. Don't float along aimlessly. This is, can happen to us when we get untuned from the Gospels. We can float along without a plan. We can value generosity, but we don't have good patterns or habits of it. Okay? Don't let that happen to you. And I will continue to boast about you all, right, to no end. Right? I, I've, I have no... like. Again, I have no worries about you guys doing this well. You've shown nothing but that you value this and that you're willing to live it out and you put where your money, where your mouth is. And my encouragement to you is like, just keep doing what you're doing, okay? Take this chance to retune yourselves to it as we enter 2022. And we're going to continue to be fine and rich as both people and a community in the things that Jesus is rich in. So uh, we're going to take some communion now. Um, and so if you have uh, not gotten any uh, communion uh, stuff when you came in this morning, make sure to raise your hand and ask for it. If you're at home joining us online, I know our online audience has been a little bit higher here the last few weeks uh, with everything going on, please take communion with us. It's not something we say uh, very often on Sunday mornings, but like we want you to feel like you're a part of the community, right, um, uh, of Red City, even if you're not physically with us. So if you've got something at home, if you've got some grape juice, you've got some crackers or, or whatever it is, like, go, go grab it real quick. Take some communion with us during this worship time. Um, and uh, we will uh, do that together. Ted is in the back for prayer. If you'd like any prayer for anything whatsoever, uh, let Ted pray for you. You can go uh, find him in the back, and also Karina's over there. Thank you, Ted. So uh, a couple of people in the back for you if you need prayer as well. Let me pray, and then we will uh, enter a time of worship. God, thank you that you in your richness became poor so that we might become rich. God, help us to value richness in the things that you are rich in so that we may experience to the fullest extent in our lives the grace of the gospel, the grace that has been poured out on us, Lord. Help us to experience that richness and to believe and to know, Lord, through firsthand experience that that is better than riches in other areas, God. I pray that we, in our generosity, might be agents of your kingdom, that we might grow uh, more and more, and that, like Thomas says, that we may be part of your plan to set the world to rights again through our generosity. Help us to understand the significance of that, and help us to have wisdom to know what it looks like in our own lives to live that out well. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.